Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees, now and in the future. We know Irish life. We are Irish life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Inside Business Podcast with me, Cliff Taylor, standing in for Kieran Hancock. Before we begin today, I want to tell you about a special episode of this podcast that will be recorded next week. It's special because we will be recording it in front of a live audience for the first time here at the Irish Times on Wednesday the 26th of April. Kieran Hancock will be back in the chair and the theme of the show will be the future of Irish banking in the digital age. We've got some great panellists lined up to take part. Former AIB Chief Executive David Duffy, who is now the CEO of Clydesdale and New Yorkshire Bank in the UK, will be there. He'll be joined by Gavin Kelly, Director of Distribution Channels with Bank of Ireland and Mairead Jackson, a Managing Director at Accenture. The event is for Irish Times subscribers only, but we do have a limited number of places for non-subscribers who are regular listeners to this podcast. All you have to do is send an email to businesspodcast at irishtimes.com. We hope to see some of you there. Now, back to today's show. Theresa May caught the markets on the hop when she called a snap UK election yesterday. Irish Times columnist Chris Johns and markets correspondent Joe Brennan came into studio to talk about the response to the British Prime Minister's surprise announcement and what impact it will have here. Later on, I'm joined by Simon Carswell, who has the details of Trump's plan to review the H-1B visa programme and what it's likely to mean for Irish people seeking to work in the tech sector in the US. If you'd like to support this podcast... You might like to tell your friends and colleagues that Inside Business is free to download from iTunes. You'll also find us on irishtimes.com or your preferred podcast app. And if you'd like to have your say on the issues we cover, you can email businesspodcast at irishtimes.com. Chris Johns, Theresa May took just about everybody by surprise with uh, maybe one of the best kept secrets in British political history this week. Uh, coming out on the steps of Downing Street, and even as she came out, there was speculation on what she was what she was about to announce. But she announced a general election. Why do you think she moved now? I think there are several reasons. Um, there is still an element of mystery to um, to it, though, and I think we'll have to wait and see what she does when she gets back into power, as is, as is, is almost certainly the case. Because one of the mysteries about all of this is just what does she want? She was a Remain voter not a particularly strongly held view on her part, but she did support the Remain campaign and immediately came out the other end of the referendum as a 
proponent, as the proponent of rock-hard Brexit. So nobody actually knows what this woman wants, what the Prime Minister of Britain actually desires for Brexit. There's been a lot of speculation about uh, playing to certain galleries over the last few months, in particular the internal one of the Conservative Party. Mm. There's also the motivation she has that she acquired when she was Home Secretary, which is to curb immigration. That's been a favourite of hers for a long time. She has recently had to engage with Europe following the signing of the Article 50 letter, and I think that's come as a bit of a cold shower to both her and other members of the the government in that they're meeting people who have a well-worked-out, well-thought-out strategy, set of tactics, and a very clearly defined set of objectives. Um, So putting all of that together suggests that um, she needs something of a mandate. She's had the temptation all along of a Labour Party in complete and utter disarray. Mm. I mean, it is extraordinary the way in which the Labour Party, led by Jeremy Corbyn, has effectively imploded as an opposition party. I mean, it's it's a gross dereliction of of duty and a a remarkable episode in British political political history in in its own right. So the, the natural political temptation to go from um, a low double-digit majority of MPs in Parliament to what will probably be a triple-digit majority, a 100-plus majority. Mm. I mean, that's been there all along. But, of course, she's always said, I'm not going to do this. Mm. And now she is. So there are elements of mystery about this. I've mentioned one, the fact that she said she was going to do one thing and now has done completely the opposite is another. So there are lots of reasons for this. There's the, the, the fact that she's had to encounter proper negotiators in Europe There's the internal Conservative Party issue that she needs to see off the the headbangers in her party. Um, There's the the need to get a bigger bigger majority and and the opportunity to get a bigger majority. But the very last reason is a very pragmatic one, which is Mm. that the promise that this can all be done, that Brexit can be done in two years, has always been a complete and utter fantasy. It just Mm. is not possible. Um, And any acquaintance with how EU law... And the way the EU works has burrowed into the entrails of the British parliamentary and legal system over the last 40 years leads anybody to conclude very quickly that this is going to take an awful lot longer than than two years. Whether or not you think it's a good idea to disentangle all of that EU stuff is irrelevant. Whether you are a lever or a remainer doesn't matter in, in this very practical consideration. It's going to take an awful long time to get done just as a matter of practical politics. And I think the penny has finally dropped in certain quarters in Whitehall, not least in Number 10 Downing Street. Um, and so she has to prepare the British people for a very lengthy exit process. And we're, I suppose we're really talking about two processes. There's the leaving, the divorce settlement, if you like, which I presume could conceivably be done within the two-year period. But then the much more complicated job of actually working out future relationships between Britain and the EU and suggestions from very respected uh, trade experts, trade negotiators, people like Pascal Lamy, that this could take a decade, could take seven or eight years, at least perhaps a decade. Absolutely. Two stages, definitely, in that they have an awful lot to work out in terms of things like the check that Britain has to write to the European Union to cover its liabilities and and other issues and establish matters of principle. Mm. But the issue of trade negotiations in particular, and but it's not just trade negotiations. There are lots of other legal issues that need to be resolved. But trade is, is perhaps one of the best examples to give in that typical trade agreements do take five, seven, ten years. Mm. And as you say, respected uh, people who've 
been down this road before and um, will explain to you why and how it takes so long because there is an awful lot of detail that needs to be covered. Mm. An awful lot of mind-numbing detail mm. needs to be covered. Um, and it takes years. Joe, talk about the initial reaction on the markets. Sterling jumped, uh, the FTSE dropped. What, what's, what's been going on? Yeah, the, the, the markets didn't know what to make of it originally. Um, mm. So you saw um, sterling fall uh, slightly against the against both the dollar and, 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 and the euro. Um, and then it kind of quickly began to rally. Mm. Um, they saw sterling, it, was, it, it went to as low as 85.12 uh, against uh, pence against the euro uh, immediately after um, uh, Theresa May took to uh, outside um, Downing Street to, to announce the, the election. But once it started rallying, it actually went down to as low as 83 point, it rallied to 83.14 um, against the uh, against the, the, the euro by the end of the American session. Now, this is, this is big news for Irish exporters because a few months ago we were dealing with 90p, a uh, real difficult red light territory for Irish exporters, small companies selling to the UK. Yeah. There's a big difference between 90p and 83p. Yeah, and if you look back, actually, just before Brexit, before the referendum, it was 76.6 pence. Yeah. It went up to as high as 91 mm-hmm. um, in, in October. So it's kind of been in that range. It's probably the lower end of that range at, at the moment. Obviously, yeah, a massive um, impact for, for Irish exporters just in terms of levels of uh, the, 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 the how attractive Ireland is as a place for, for, for UK tourists mm-hmm. as well. And, and obviously for, for Irish companies, so to be generating a lot of uh, revenue in, in, in the UK and translating, translating that back into euros. But just um, the, the, the market reaction there yesterday, I suppose there's a number of reasons why the, the, yeah. the sterling kind of took off um, uh, yesterday. Um, it also jumped uh, 2% against the, the dollar um, to levels I've seen since last October um, as the market began to digest the, the whole um, outcome of, or the, the whole announcement of, of uh, surprise announcement of a, an election. I suppose a few things kind of stand out. Traders are talking about, you know, that um, she'll probably get, um, Theresa May will probably get a, a larger majority, which would sideline some of the kind of hardline mm. elements, Eurosceptic elements of the of the Conservatives as she tries to negotiate a deal with, um, with, with uh, Europe. It'll also give her, obviously, a clear mandate. Um, some people, Deutsche Bank, are, are suggesting that uh, it'll make the deadline for a clean uh, Brexit without a transitional arrangement uh, f- much less pressing than it was uh, before um, she'd set about uh, going to uh, going to the, the polls. And, and the traders are also talking about the, the, the risks of the talks actually breaking down mm-hmm. have lessened somewhat, um, given that she's decided to go to the polls uh, now. OK, so, the, so, the, so the, I suppose to sum up the market mood... The initial view is a softer Brexit and perhaps a less dangerous Brexit. Perhaps a less dangerous Brexit. But, you know, uh, she's not going... When she's... Over the next uh, number of weeks before the election, she's not going to be on TV doing debates. So Mm. trying to get detail as to what she actually envisages doing Mm. would be difficult. Um, So, I mean, she's using very kind of... Using using kind of talking points about controlling immigration, uh, um, leaving the single European market and and leaving the jurisdiction of the, the European courts. But it's not giving a huge amount of detail. So, it, you know, if detail would probably come out from from people following her on the campaign trail rather than mm. the markets being able to, to ascertain what she's saying on TV debates. Sure, sure. Chris, traders have to decide when something happens, what what it means. They have to reach a quick conclusion. They're, they're buying or selling all the time. 
is this a reasonable conclusion that the markets have reached that we may be looking at a softer Brexit now or is this just a knee-jerk reaction which uh, which could be upset by a, what's going to be a very divisive election campaign and a very uncertain uh, negotiating process I, beyond that? I actually think it's, it's all of those things. Um, on the basis of the information that we've got, as Joe was saying, that... Uh, the only logical conclusion to draw from this is that it looks like it might be softer in the sense that it could take a lot longer mm. and that the risk of, a, of something awful happening like them crashing out without a deal mm. um, in two years' time has lessened. But th- that's the game that we're playing here. We're trying to assess probabilities. Going back to what I said earlier, which is that we don't actually know what this prime minister wants mm. because she, she has said one thing and done another a couple of times now. Um, particularly with the the election itself. And and we don't know whether this hard Brexit that she surprised everybody with back in the autumn is something that she actually believed in or was just a tactical diversion. Um, And the fact that she's not going to go on any of these televised debates that everybody wants is another indicator that she does like playing her cards close to her chest. She does like being this mysterious Prime Minister that we're getting to know. But she's, she's going to be very powerful. So whatever it is that she does want to deliver... I suspect um, she's going to certainly have the mandate to do it. So, um, yes, I think it's right that it's, you know, the market reacted sensibly in it saying that this thing is going to take longer and therefore isn't going to be so awful. Mm. Um, but there's an awful lot of water to flow under the bridge yet. And, uh, you know, it depends on what she wants. Mm. But a fair assessment, I guess, to guess that she doesn't want Britain to crash out in March 2019, with no deal, no transitional this, period, she must have had British business people in her ear. This is the cold shower of reality. She's had Boris Johnson standing up and saying repeatedly that if we don't get a deal, the British economy will be absolutely fine. Mm. That is complete and utter nonsense. That is the worst possible outcome for the British economy. It, it, it makes no sense to say that. It's, it's, it's an example of a, a very unserious politician. So and, we're talking, just to explain it, 2019... If, if there's no deal, Britain leaves the EU, there are immediately customs checks, there are immediately tariff barriers on trade between Britain and the EU and 101 other uncertainties about how trade's going to work, how aviation's going to work, how everything's going to work. And Ryanair have said that aviation stops between Britain and Europe in those circumstances. That might be an extreme example of what could happen. Um, uh, more likely are very long queues of lorries at Dover mm. in those circumstances, um, a hard border on this island in those mm. circumstances. It is a disaster all round, not just for Britain, yeah. but for Britain's trading partners as well, if, if there is a crashing out. And I think that to the extent that anybody seriously flirted with this in the British government, they've been disabused of it very, very quickly by, by British business and indeed by anybody that's looked at this longer than 10 minutes. So that, that the hard falling out thing in two years' time is the worst possible outcome. And I think she's realised this. So something had to give, and I suspect it's the timetable more than anything else. And to the extent that that's happened and that Brexit may be softer, that's possibly a plus for Ireland because as 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 Britain crashing out would be a nightmare for, for Britain itself, it would also be a nightmare for us. Most definitely. I mean, that is the worst possible outcome for Ireland. So my guess is that um, she's going to try and do this deal now within the life of the parliament that she's been given. So her hope is that she's mm-hmm. got a five-year timetable from this June. 
Um, I think even that is ambitious, given what we know about trade negotiations taking longer than that. But it's an awful lot better than the two-year timetable that ran all sorts of risks for the, for the, for the crashing out. Mm. And Joe, to the extent that Brexit is going to be softer, generally good news for, for Irish, the Irish economy and for Irish businesses, and perhaps a degree of risk removed from, uh, from Ireland in terms of the levels sterling is going to trade at in, in, in the months ahead. Yeah, and also the um, the UK economy, if the UK economy holds up as mm. this is elongated, the, the whole negotiations are elongated, um, it'll obviously be beneficial to the Irish economy given how um, how interlinked the Irish economy remains with, with the UK. Yeah. What sense do you get talking to traders in the market over the last few days? Are they still very uncertain and nervous about what might happen? Um, I think they're they. I think everyone was nervous when the announcement came out first because mm-hmm. uh, no one knew what to, to make of it. I think they've taken a more relaxed view, and I think they've taken they've taken the the optimistic view at this stage. Mm-hmm. But you know, as more details emerge in in in, in the coming years, and as more uh, potential uh, challenges and risks uh, emerge, markets obviously will react to that as well. Mm-hmm. So we may see sterling swing around during the election campaign and afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll also have you know other things, other elections in Europe as well, and not least the French election coming up uh, the first round this weekend. So that'll end up that will obviously have a, 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 an impact on 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 all manner of currency uh, crosses. And what's the key issue we should be looking for there? Um, there, um, the, the, the latest opinion polls uh, show that heading into the, the first round on, on Sunday that it's 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 fairly tight between mm. the, the, the four main candidates. Uh, and the French election runs by way of you have the first round and then the, the, the top two polling candidates sure. go to a second round um, two weeks later. So it all depends on who will make it to the second round. I think the markets, the, the, the nightmare scenario for, for the markets would be to see uh, the two extreme, or what would be perceived as the two extreme candidates, uh, the far right candidate Marine Le Pen mm. uh, and the far left uh, candidate Jean-Luc uh, Mélenchon, who has been doing very, very well in the last mm. month. And he's moved just in, even in the last five or six weeks from polling at 11 to 13% in the polls to 19% now. The, the range between the, the, the between himself and, uh, and Francois uh, Fillon is 19% versus 23% for uh, the centrist uh, candidate Emmanuel Marcon. Okay. Chris, we've all had our eyes on Britain, but is this something that could uh, upset the markets? Oh, absolutely. And upset us all? We, we've spoken for many years about the future of the euro and doubts yes. about the future of the euro and certainly... Uh, a Le Pen election could put that right back centre stage. Yeah, um, and, and and one of the sound bites that we coined during the Brexit campaign is that if the French election goes one particular way, there may be no Europe for Britain to actually leave. <laughs> um, that's a rather extreme uh, point of view, of course. Um, the, the, it could well be that the disaster scenario for the markets is the, is this runoff between an extreme right and an extreme left candidate, both of whom seem pretty committed to taking France out of the euro. Mm. Um, and um, at least one of them wants a, a Frexit mm. referendum. Um, it's different in France, though, because um, neither candidate is going to command anything like um, a majority in, in the their equivalent of Parliament, of, of the British um, House of Commons, for example, that Theresa May command. So their ability so the markets are actually betting that even if Le Pen won the election, for mm-hmm. example, she wouldn't actually be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. The markets are also betting that they've had two catac- supposedly cataclysmic events in the last year, which is Donald Trump being elected mm-hmm. president of the United States 
and the Brexit mm. referendum. And if this comes along, that's just another third thing, which initially we were terribly worried about, mm. but actually may not turn out to be such a big deal after all. Mm. That may be a wee bit sanguine. Lightning, lightning striking a third time, perhaps. Yes, and, and, still having, and still having no effect. I think if you're hit by lightning three times, you're probably going to die. Yes, but um, <laughs> that's pushing the metaphor a bit hard, probably. It's time for a short break now. Coming up, I'll be talking to Simon Carswell about Trump's plan to review the H-1B visa programme. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Simon, there was an important change announced this week by President Trump to a visa programme, the H-1B programme, which is relevant to the tech sector here and to uh, Irish tech employees. Explain to us what uh, what happened. Well, H-1B visas would normally be used by high-skilled uh, workers to go and work in the United States. Um, and it'd be one of the more popular visas that would be available to foreign workers. It's open to graduates mostly. Uh, there's some... Um, some of the visas are specifically assigned to South American countries but the majority of them are open to graduates and it's done on a lottery based system Uh, the Americans issue about 85,000 a year Um, and to give you an idea of just the demand that there has been for these visas about 199,000 applications came in for the visas H-1B visas for 2018 now Donald Trump as a candidate pledged to um, uh, tackle uh, what he called visa abuses that were taking place where uh, companies he claimed were using this visa program to uh, bring in low-cost workers from overseas and that would replace American workers. So what he has done is is another one of his executive orders. So this is another order that bypasses Congress. So it's just a piece of paper that he signs and he's called for a a review of the program and the aim of it is is to curb what he sees of these abuses and they're pretty much targeting what they see as outsourcing companies and they've name-checked a couple of Indian companies that were involved in in setting up um, outsourcing operations and employees who ran these outsourcing operations in India. So he has, he's looking at a review of it. He's looking at wrapping up the lottery scheme and moving to what he what he uh, wants is a merit-based system, which would basically every applicant that would come in, they'd look at it and see whether they are in fact higher skills. So to cut back on what he sees are these abuses. Okay, so this will be relevant to Irish tech workers going to work for big US companies in America or I presume also Irish tech companies trying to set up in America and bring some staff with them. Is that... Yeah. Is that, is that both, and both of those areas... About? Yeah. But both, both, both sets of companies will be looking to use these H-1B visas. The only thing about the H-1B visa programme, they're not as popular as they have been in, mm. in recent years. They've, 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 uh, they've been steadily declining in terms of the number of Irish people that are availing okay. of these. How many, now, how many Irish people would, would, would be involved? Well, over the, last, over the last five years, you have about 3,200. Um, okay. Now, it's fallen from a high of about 700 at the start of, uh, in 2012 to about 550 and the problem with the H-1B programme is it's not very attractive to either employees Irish employees looking to move over there because it's based on a lottery system you apply and you won't know for some time whether you get get okay. it and then even so if you t- do get So typically the the 
there's, there's over demand for the uh, for the for small number of visas available and the rest go into a lottery. Is that, is that how it works? Uh, uh, there, yes, uh, there's the, the bulk of them would be on a lottery-based system. And the, the problem that, that a lot of Irish companies would have or a lot of Irish employees is the uncertainty around the lottery system. And also there's a six-month delay in actually getting the visa. So if you have an employee who wants to move to your subsidiary in uh, Silicon Valley, say, or, or some, somewhere else in the US, that you, you need to have an employee there quickly. This, this is a, isn't a great visa. Okay. So there are other options. Okay. And are there, uh, what are the other options that, that, are, that are available? Are, th- well, are there other visa programs that, that, can, that can get people yeah, out more quickly and more a, easily? There's a few other ones that are proving a bit more popular and you've seen uh, greater subscription on those, people applying for those in, in recent years. The, the L visas, which is for speciality technology um, workers, okay. which a lot of Irish employees, and that's actually outstripped the number of H-1Bs that have been issued. You have about 5,300 uh, of those L visas have been issued Irish comp- Irish employees uh, over the past five years. And also then there's the E-Visa. There's an E-1 visa, which is a visa that allows people to work in the US if they trade with the US, if they have a company that trades with, uh, does business in America. And there's an E-2, which if you have a particular amount of capital to invest, um, you can invest in, uh, you can use, uh, get an E-3 visa to, to work in the US. Now, the, the, the numbers involved in those are smaller. E-1 is about 260 over the last five years to Irish applicants. And the E-2 visa is about a 1,360. But there have been a steady increase in those, both those visas, as the demand and as the as the interest in the H-1B visas have fallen. Okay, so who's... We don't know exactly what President Trump is going to do. He's ordered a review. What do you think is going to happen and who's likely to be, to be hit by this? Is, well, it is certainly going to affect um, technology workers who would be moving from Ireland. Um, I think he, it's you've got to kind of separate the rhetoric from from what's actually happened in mm. practice. This is very much Trump fulfilling an election promise. If you looked mm. at where he made this announcement, where he signed this executive order, he went to a manufacturing company in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is one of those Rust Belt states that he won. It's one of those very uh, heavily blue collar states. Uh, so it's really him going back to his 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 constituents and saying, you know, I am going to follow through on these election promises I made. Now, in practice, uh, I mean, he could encounter some legal difficulties. Uh, the, the the two Muslim bans that he introduced were challenged in the courts and have been knocked down by the courts and are, are going through the appeals court uh, at the moment. And so th- th- that's not to say that um, that might not happen. And th- that might happen in this case as well, where there might be a challenge to this mm-hmm. program if he does make wholesale changes to the H-1B programme. The only thing is that it actually, in a a strange way, it might actually help Irish companies because if he does move from a lottery-based system to a competitive skill-based system, then a lot of Irish workers would probably do quite well because Mm. they would show that they've higher skills, they're going to be taking up higher paid positions in perhaps uh, uh, American subsidiaries of Irish operations. So it could actually, in a strange way, benefit Irish companies and they may see, well, this removes the uncertainty. That was a turn-off for a lot of people looking at H-1B visas. Is there a risk from the point the view of the small Irish companies that they will be effectively outbid now in the US by the big players, the Facebooks and the Googles who are trying to hire expert Irish staff and find it hard to compete? No, I think those Irish skilled staff will probably be in a greater shout for some of these visas because they can, if, it's, if it is going to move to a merit-based system, then it's going to be much more competitive. The Irish companies can, Irish employees can show that they have higher skills than some of these uh, other applicants that Trump is saying is, is that, that they're getting a, a, the lion's share of the visas, the, the low-paid workers from these Indian companies. So I, I think that a lot of Irish employees may look again at the H 
H-1B visa program if it goes out of this lottery system. And also a lot of American companies would have Irish operations in which there would be Irish employees who may be looking to move to the US as part of that, uh, as part of their um, uh, their global operations. So there's an opportunity there, I think, uh, for Irish companies with these changes. Okay, finally, Simon, I guess this follows a, a bit of a pattern uh, by President Trump in that he is tended to do things by executive order uh, some more apparent than real uh, mm. some very serious obviously uh, but a lot of his big plans appear to be stalled healthcare stalled and now there seem to be questions about his tax reform plan yeah. which is obviously of, of a vital vital interest to Ireland with huge uh, multinational investment here. What, what's, your, what's your take on that? Well I think he's learning that um, this con- congressional um, this congressional struggle that uh, President Obama had that uh, it hasn't changed for, for President Trump even though uh, Republicans are in control of, of Congress and both the House of Representatives and the Senate he's still meeting the same kind of disorder and dysfunction that took place in the last administration so that's why he's relying very heavily on these executive orders, um, which can be easily undone and Mm. and are being challenged in the courts in some cases. So these kind of big set piece uh, policy announcements that he had hoped on healthcare, the repeal and replace of Obamacare, and also on his tax plan now seems the timetable for that seems to be slipping. He had the Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin this week, he told the Financial Times that uh, his plan, he had initially said that, you know, they might be able to get corporate tax reform done by August. Mm. And he's now saying that was highly aggressive to not realistic at this point. And that's very much been seen in being uh, the setbacks that they've experienced with the healthcare uh, healthcare bill, and also I think that he's also realizing that um, the Republican Party itself is not this unified force uh, on Capitol Hill. It's many different disparate elements that he's having to deal with, and he doesn't even have the support within his own party. So I think uh, Irish people, Irish businesses and uh, Irish government could probably breathe a sigh of relief to see that there isn't going to be uh, the tax reform as quickly, certainly as quickly as as he hoped. And it it just really shows uh, the challenges that Trump faces in trying to get a lot of these big uh, landmark um, policy decisions and and legislative achievements that he was hoping to achieve across the the line. Okay, so tax changes are coming, but maybe further away than we'd expected and perhaps less dramatic than we had expected as well. I think so, yeah. I mean, he was talking about reducing the headline rate of corporation tax during the campaign Mm. down to 15%, but I think that's kind of been seen now by the administration as being unrealistic. There is agreement on Capitol Hill between Republicans and Democrats that there is a problem with the tax code, the American tax system. It's long out of date and they need to fix it, but the agreement is on the rate. And you've seen more the tone of the debate kind of soften um, and looking at the type of rate and, and uh, this, the scale of the rate, it might be reduced, but if, if the reduction comes, it could be in the order of 20 to 25%. So that's well off the Irish rate of 12.5%. So that must be a relief to certain Irish companies. Okay, Simon Carswell, thank you. Thank you. That's all we have time for on Inside Business. Just another reminder about our live show next week. If you want to join us on Wednesday evening, 26th of April, you can email businesspodcast at irishtimes.com. You can also get the latest business news by signing up to that email and you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. My thanks to Chris Johns, Joe Brennan and Simon Carswell. Jennifer Ryan was the producer with JJ Vernon on sound. I'm Cliff Taylor. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 